CP3 is back. We're post NBA trade deadline and All Star game, and we're ready for the second half of the season. I'm doing here with Jack again today. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing great, CP, and we couldn't be more excited to talk about the NBA once again. One of the main storylines towards the end of the season coming up has been the Clippers and the Lakers, the two West teams. The Lakers are the one seed right now. The Clippers are the three seed, but that anything could change going for the rest of the season. And I know we have different opinions on the Clippers and the Lakers, so we want to start off talking about the two L.A. teams. Before you get into that, can, I give, can we both give our uh, preseason pick for the Lakers and the Clippers? What do you mean by that? I, I picked the Lakers to be the one seed and lose the Clippers in the conference finals, and the Clippers win the championship. What did yes. you pick? Oh, back in, when was this, September when we did this podcast? I think I, I said the Lakers one seed, I believe so, yeah, and I had them winning the championship. Okay. And losing to beating the Clippers, not necessarily in the Western Conference Finals. I don't think I don't know where I had the Clippers at, but either way, I think the Lakers are winning the Western Conference Finals, and I'm picking them to win the championship. So we both have both LA teams going really far. So I think this uh, episode will be a great debate of who's the leader right now. Yeah, that is very true. So to start off, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Clippers and how they they've been kind of struggle they've been struggling as of late of February as a whole but they've they're on a three game win streak right, right now so they're kind of getting back into it but one of the main things i think we should talk about are the moves that they made like um after the trade deadline they traded for Marcus Morris which was relatively big at the time and then post trade deadline they they signed Reggie Jackson who's bought out by the Detroit, Detroit Pistons so you could argue that these two moves are great for the clippers but first, I want to hear your thoughts on them. I actually really like both the moves. Marcus Morris was playing very well. I know he was on the New York Knicks, and the New York Knicks are not a good team. But Marcus Morris is a perfect player for the Clippers. He was He's averaging about 10 points a game for them now, shooting on 40% from three and playing good defense. He's a veteran. He wants to win now. He's on a one-year contract, so he's looking to improve himself. And Reggie Jackson has been a very good player in the NBA, to say the least, especially on the Detroit Pistons. I know they haven't won much, but he's been very consistent. I think that these are two type of scoring veterans who provide leadership that the Clippers really need right now. And I think that they couldn't have done any better job of filling some, I wouldn't say gaps, but just improving their roster. I'm way more high on the Marcus Morris Oh, yeah, definitely. Marcus Morris definitely a much better player than Reggie Jackson. But that's not even what I mean, a better player. Like, I'm just, I like the fit more than Reggie Jackson because Marcus Morris, I understand he can create his own shot when Kawhi or Paul George, let's say, are cold. But then again, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, those are guys who need the ball in their hands to be effective, to say the least, because they're not going to do really anything and much on defense. Like Marcus Morris, if let's say it's the Lakers, Clippers, or Western Conference Finals, Marcus Morris is the type of guy who's probably going to be paired up with AD if the Lakers or the Clippers are forced to go small ball. So I think I don't know how effective that's going to be. And Reggie Jackson, I mean, like that's another guy who needs the ball to be effective. I think the Clippers already had, like. Enough. They're both very good shooters. Not very good. Good shooters, though. I think the Clippers. I know. I know what you're saying, but I think the Clippers had enough depth already that they didn't need. Like the Reggie Jackson thing was kind of an overkill, let's say. So the clip. So the Lakers couldn't sign him because I think the Lakers actually needed Reggie Jackson way more than the Clippers did. Because think about it, the Clippers. They have Shaman who can create a shot. They have Lou Williams, one of the greatest six men of all time, coming off the bench. Do you really need a Reggie Jackson like that? And we are. And earlier in the season, about. A, I think a month or a half ago, Montreal, Montreal, um, Hezrel, sorry, mispronunciation, sorry, but he said like some chemistry issues have come about in the Clippers locker room. So how how are all these players going to coexist for the Clippers to succeed in the playoffs? I'm not sure. Well, 
when you talked about Montrez Harrell. Yeah, my bad, my bad. I think that's pronunciation. Yeah. Don't quote me. Montrez Harrell said there were some cameras used in the Clippers locker room. Patrick Beverly immediately tweeted out, not true. And Montrez Harrell even said, not true. It was, a, it was an untrue statement that a reporter uh, brought out of nothing like they always do. And I think that... No, he, he did say it, but... What, he said he, it in an interview or is it a tweet? He did... Not a tweet. He said it in an interview. But th- there was definitely something going on. It definitely wasn't as big as he meant it, but... There, there was, there was proof that well, he said it. Beside from that fact, I think that signing Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson were perfect because right in the playoffs in the NBA, the rotation always gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Sometimes only six to seven guys play. You don't necessarily need all this extra depth. I think this is good for the regular season. You took away Reggie Jackson from the Lakers from someone who actually could be playing more in the playoffs. But on the Clippers, he really won't be playing as much in the playoffs. He'll be perfect right now for when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard take their. Uh, rest days or uh, just don't want to play I like to say for their own reasons and I think that having a guy like him is exactly what the Clippers need in the regular season so you're saying Reggie Jackson won't make much of an impact in the playoffs because I, I really say don't much but I, I don't, honestly don't think he's going to play that much in the playoffs unless he's playing really really well I don't think they need him at all though because again they have it's just s- another piece that they took away from the Lakers like you said which I think is really smart to do. The Clippers it was have- the same thing with Marcus Morris. The Lakers wanted him so then the Clippers said, "Okay, we could use him, so we're going to make even make an extra effort to get him." Well, I'm still I still don't believe the Clippers the Lakers were ever willing to give up Kuzma or a pick for uh, Marcus Morris. I don't I don't I could not see them doing that, but to just take Reggie Jackson like Again, these are two guys, like, you want the Clippers to be able to move the ball. Like, that's what Paul George has kind of been. He's been cold these past few weeks, and he has not not been shooting well. He's only been averaging 16 points the past 10 games. So, clearly, maybe it's his injury, the shoulder, the nagging shoulder injury from last year. He's had a knee problem this year. Like, I don't know if he's fully healthy or not. So, if he's cold, you don't want a guy like Reggie Jackson to be able to, like, is he going to be able to really help this Clippers team. Like, it's not like a, the greatest ISO player of all time. And you have Kawhi for that. You have Shamit for that. You have Lou Williams for that. And I really, if he's not going to make an impact in the playoffs, what I don't un- really see the point. Like, it's not going to make an impact, in my opinion, that, that move, as much as you think. I didn't say it would make a big impact in the playoffs. I said in the regular season when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are taking off, when taking rest days, I think that having a guy like Reggie Jackson is exactly what you need. Uh, I guess I guess it, he could, but again, the Clippers they have been. No, he's not going to have a like Demarcus Cousins trade type, of, or it's a superstar type of impact like I, yeah, the couple I, Pelicans. But that is true. The Clippers they just they haven't worried me as of late. Though in February they had some really bad losses well, to the Timberwolves. They had they had a bad loss to the Sixers. They had a really bad loss to the to the Kings like a few, uh, last week. And I know they've been picking it up the past three games with Paul George back now. But it's Paul really... George had a huge hiccup in during those games, but immediately responded with 24 points, a 9-15 shooting with 6 assists and uh, 2 rebounds. I'm sorry, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. So, and Kawhi Leonard um, had about 19 points that game. But the other players in the Clippers all stepped up during the game. Montrez Harrell had 19 points. Lou Williams had 18 points. Landry Sherman had 18, 17 points. Sorry. So I think that the Clippers have so much depth and talent around them that there's no way that even like the Lakers can beat them, even with playoff LeBron. I'm going to take 10 games over one game from Paul George, considering he's been averaging 16 the past 10 games. This, and I need to see over a, I need to see over a larger sample size 
of He's him. been averaging 21 points a game this year. It's not like he's been averaging like 15. And he hasn't been that inefficient. He's been 48% from the field and 39% from three. That's why I'm saying as of late. I'm just talking about as of late. Not the entire season. That's why I'm using the stat of the past 10 games. He's been averaging 16 points. That that worries me because the playoffs are coming up in March and, and uh, April. That's when teams when who are lower in the standings actually start playing harder. So I would like to see Paul George take the step up for me to have more confidence in the Clippers. Here's just one point I want to bring up about the the Los Angeles Clippers. It just just I just, it's not completely related to this, but it is to it to an extent. Let you think the Clippers can win the championship this year? Yes, exactly. You think that you think they will? I think they will. Okay, but let's say they don't. And there's a very good chance they don't, considering how. Well, yeah, deep, the, the Lakers are. I, the Lakers are serious. That I'm not going to. No, no, the no Lakers just aren't. let's say they don't. Which is obviously more likely than they do, but let's say they don't. How how much of a fail was that Paul George Paul George trade, giving up all those picks? Because that really worries me. Now this is really a make or break. They still season have for the all these guys under contract for next year, though. So it's not like they can't run this team back. No, no, no this, is, this is what I'm saying. This is a make or break year, and next year is a make or break year. Very next simple. year is. De- I wouldn't call this year a make-or-break year because say they lose in Game 7 of the conference finals like the Lakers or a very good team. I wouldn't call that a like complete failure. Like They went, they they were so close to winning. And I think whatever team wins the West is going to win the championship. Let me finish my spiel. If they don't win this year or next year, how bad would that be? Because Okay, that's yes. You are exactly right. They I gave say up this every is a make-or-break year. Next year is a make-or-break year. And two years is a very, very small window in the NBA. That, that those are not great changes. Like the Warriors, they had time to win a championship. It took seven to eight years for them to build up to that level to be able to compete at the championship level. Here's just just here's a comparison: the Nets. Okay, the Nets got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in free agency, so they didn't have to give up anything. And the Nets are very similar to the Clippers. They have two years to win a championship because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can both opt out of their contracts in two years. I'm not saying they will. But I would say it's more likely that they do than they don't. Because, I mean, can you really imagine Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving spending the rest of their careers in Brooklyn? No, I can't. Yeah, exactly. Considering Kyrie Irving is, and Move Kevin Durant have both, have both switched from teams where there have been great situations, but they have still left. So I cannot see them finishing their career in Brooklyn. So that really gives the Nets a two-year window. And that's with a Kyrie Irving who is injury-prone and a Kevin Durant who is coming off uh, an the worst awful injury. injury. His career, so say. that is not really good chances. They have two years for that. And the Clippers, on the other hand, it's kind of similar. Paul George coming off a shoulder injury from last year and having a nagging e- knee and shoulder injury this entire year. And they're in the West, which is tremendously harder to succeed in the West. So they have these two years, and let's say they don't win a championship, and then Paul George or Kawhi or both of them decide to leave. Think about what they'll have left. They'll have no picks for the next five years. They won't. They'll have Landry Shamit. They'll have Lou Williams. They'll have Patrick Beverly. It'll be like last year when they were the eighth seed, and kind of competed with the Warriors in that first round series. But they'll be like nothing. They won't really have anything, and that's why this is really a make or break year for the Clippers. That's what I'm saying. Because if it's not this year, it has to be next year, unless they both decide to re-sign. But uh, that's not not even close to a guarantee. When you're talking about being a make-or-break year, yes, I agree with you. But I think the real question is, how well are they going to do? Not what the future holds if they don't do well. Part of the reason I think the Clippers are going to win the championship is Doc Rivers is an amazing coach in the NBA. Last year, 
He's won everywhere he's went. He won with the Boston team when he had all the talent. Didn't he win. Way, in, he didn't win in LA for a while. He he. The the Chris the what's it called the Lob City teams. You could say that Chris Paul and Blake Griffin didn't work well together. But Doc Rivers coached them like the three four seed, and his players choked in the playoffs last year. He proved that he can lead a team with much less talent. They they won two games, I believe, against the Warriors in the uh, second round of the they playoffs. Did, yeah. Then this year they added Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I know the moves they made, yes. Yes. And then they, so he added more talent. Then Kawhi Leonard, I know you're going to say you know this, he's just at the Raptors for championship. He has never underachieved. He's averaging 27, 27 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, and 5 assists with 2 steals a game. And Kawhi Leonard, every single night, plays amazing defense. I'm not doubting that the talent is there. I think that's where we're confused. I'm not saying. I'm giving you reasons why I don't. I can't see them losing. Is um, what all, all saying, these teams, all the players and the Clippers, pick it up as the season goes on. They had a really bad hiccup. We lost the uh, the T Wolves, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Kings. But then they immediately bounce back. And as you said, they've been on three game wins. You're you're right. The Clippers, they do have the talent, but I mean, they. The reason I don't think they're going to be able to overcome the Lakers is because I just think the Lakers they're so much more simple in a good way. Everyone knows their role. I mean, you can argue with the Clippers. Like, they're, um, Kawhi and um, Paul George, they haven't had so much time to figure it out. They're, I saw something where the, the five, their five starters, they're 5-0 like, they're and oh with them, but they've only played five games. So, like, the Clippers, they haven't been... Everyone, not everyone has been healthy this entire season. Like, you have Kawhi sitting. You have Paul George with the, the nagging injuries. You have Patrick Beverly who's been hurt, who's pretty much hurt every year. With the Lakers, it's much more simple, I think, because you got you have guys like LeBron who knows what he can do. He can do everything. And in late-game situations, LeBron's going to be the guy taking the shot. He's going to be posting up. Then you also have guys like Anthony Davis, who knows he's going to be a factor on the defensive end, but he's also going to get his points by posting up and through lobs. And you got a guy like Dwight Howard, who knows exactly what he's doing. Just He's only he's only getting lobs and getting rebounds. And you have the... The two guys, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and even Alex Caruso, who know that their roles are to drive to the hoop and shoot threes. I just think that formula is so much more simple than what the Clippers have. Because the Clippers, I know they have the talent, as you said, and I totally agree with that. But they just have so many guys who can do too many things, in my opinion. Because you have Kawhi and Paul George and Lou Williams and now Reggie Jackson and now Marcus Morris, who all want the ball and who all can create their own shot. I just think that they're gonna that's gonna they're gonna butt heads together, and I don't know how that's gonna work in the playoffs when you need a much more simple formula to win. I don't necessarily think that the Lakers know the roles any better than the Clippers, but I don't want to debate that. I just think that the Clippers overall just have a better team than the Lakers. And even though I'm like the biggest LeBron fan, and I believe his playoff mode is nothing like anyone else in NBA history, I just think that it comes to a point where like like with the Cavs versus Warriors. Uh, the clip like when the when the Warriors add Kevin Durant the first year, they just can't compete at that level. In my opinion, at least, I think that Kawhi Leonard and um, Montrezl Harrell and all these other guys are just better than what the Lakers can offer. Not Anthony Davis, obviously, but I think they're better than Dwight Howard, even though he's been having an amazing year. I think that the Clippers have just as many shooters as the Lakers have, if not more. The Lakers aren't even one of the best shooting teams, you could say. And my thing is, I just feel that. LeBron James would have to play on such an unbelievable level to elevate the clip, the Lakers over the Clippers. Because so I think that having a guy like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, because last year from like this, from when Paul George and the Thunder from this time last year to the playoffs up until they lost, he was playing amazing basketball. 
Paul George is able to pick it up quickly. And I see no sign. I, I don't see any reason why he can't do that this year. That's a big if. If Paul, if Paul George can come back. And I want him to. But I really I need to see a larger sample size, as I said before. But think about this. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Two of the top five bat, best basketball players in the league right now. Do you agree? Yes, yes. You cannot say that the, the Clippers have two top five players in the league right now. No. So... Based off just the talent standpoint, you would pick the Lakers, but off the top two players, yeah, I'd pick the Lakers. So the Lakers, they just those two players. Like, how are you stopping a LeBron and Anthony Davis pick and roll? How are you stopping a LeBron post up fadeaway shot just like he showed the the Celtics the other night? Like, I don't know how you're gonna stop that. And it's these two teams, they just they kind of it's kind of a perfect matchup because they have there are two they have they each have two superstars. And it's just who, who's going to be able to play better as a team as a whole? And how are the role players going to fit into their own roles? And are they going to take too many shots? Are they going to sit back and let their superstar do their thing? We don't know. And it's going to be tough. The, the Clippers have won both matchups this season thus far. So you got that. And the Clippers have that on their resume. But, I mean, it's just I need to see the Clippers' stars perform at the highest level that they're capable of. Because I've seen that from LeBron in 80 this year so far, but I haven't seen that for, from from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Well, I think that we're just going to have to wait and see on the Lakers and Clippers. I think that it's going to be one of those exciting NBA uh, debates of the rest of the year and of all time, having two teams in LA being, uh, having such a potential championship window. Yeah, so I think another team in the West that can really make some noise that I know I'm actually, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Houston Rockets. They traded away Clint Capella. And I know that we disagreed about this. I said that I was really worried about the Rockets. I'm not sure what they were exactly thinking, trading away their only big man. And like I was really worried defensively, how they were gonna get rebounds and just the small the insanely small ball lineup. And you were much more high on the trade. You thought it would work. Right? Yeah, I thought it true? would work. I thought that the Rockets didn't need Clint Capella and the style of play they were so confident with was just having all shooters and defenders, and I thought Clint Capella was holding them back in a sense. So yeah, so they've actually gone 10-2 and two without Clint Capella with this small, small ball lineup. So it's actually, with this sample size, they've actually been playing really well. And it's not the playoffs. You have to take into consideration, like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they consistently choke in the playoffs. So it's the regular season still. But the Rockets have certainly been playing much better with uh, without Clint Capella. Because what... As an example, yeah, last night against the Celtics, they what they really do is they just have five guys around the three-point line, and they do, like, three things. They do three things really well. They have James Harden, his ISO, his step back, or his drive to the rim. They have James Harden doing that exact same thing, except he's kicking it out to either Austin Rivers, Daniel House, or Robert Covington for a three. Or you have Russell Westbrook on a fast break, or him driving. Those are the, really the three things that they do. And they do those things really well. And... And the, it kind of confuses teams because when the Rockets played a team like the Jazz last week, Rudy Gobert was held to 12 points and 6 rebounds. Like, that's crazy to me. One of the, as you said, one of the best centers in the league, Rudy Gobert, like, and the Rockets are holding him to 6 rebounds when their tallest guy is 6'7". That's, that's, I think teams just don't know how to adapt to it. And maybe that's what we're going to see in the playoffs because like, no team has really ever encountered this. This is such a small ball lineup. You're exactly right. It's very hard to game plan against the Rockets because you... You theoretically you can't really play centers because I'm not saying Robert Covington, the tallest player at six seven, is like the greatest ISO player of all time. But most centers in the he league, doesn't even need to ISO though. No, That's not ISO. Thing. Can't stay in yeah, front of him. Exactly. So he can literally just drive to the rim, 
And most teams don't have rim protectors all around the basket. So it creates this type of spacing that you just can't compete with because everybody can, besides Russell Westbrook for the most part, everybody can shoot at an extremely high level. See, from a coach's standpoint, you could say... And James Harden, when he drives, like you said, he can just kick it right back out because everybody can shoot. From a coach's standpoint, you could say, just guard the three-point line, stay up on him. No one's going to be at the rim. But you can't stay up on them because you have two two of the best drivers in the league in Russell Westbrook and James Harden who can go right by you. And then if they collapse on the collapse on them, they kick it right back out. And they do have some sustainable three-point shooters on their team. And it's it's really, like, you can argue James Harden and Russell Westbrook, two of the most hated players in the league today, like with Kevin Durant. Oh, easily. Which 100%. is kind of funny considering they were They're all teammates t- at one point. But, yeah, two of the most hated players in the NBA, but... It's, they've actually been playing pretty well lately. Like Russell Westbrook, over the past 10 games, he's been averaging 35 points, which is kind of amazing. As much as I hate Russell Westbrook, sorry to interrupt you, Jack. Like, hate? Strong word. Strong word, not hate. Hate is game, Russell Westbrook is a better word to say. He's Honestly, you could make a case that he is the Rockets player because James Harden has disappeared in a few games as of lately, the past two months or so. And Russell Westbrook, honestly, has been playing really well. Like Jack just said, averaging 35 points a game in the past few games. Like He's showing everybody that, like, Maybe OKC just wasn't the right situation. I need an actual system. And Russell Westbrook was so motivated this year, it seems, to prove that he is a special player. I think he's finally showing what we can do. Finally showing that what he does wins games. He may not be the best shooter, but he can drive to the rim. He creates for other people. And he's been playing much better defense. Yeah, like, that's the actually the one thing that worries me about the Rockets the most, though. Because, for example, last oh. night, Russell Westbrook was going off. He had 41 points. And it was overtime. And I'm just thinking to myself, why isn't Westbrook have the ball in his hands? Why is James Harden trying to do his ISO? Clearly, it wasn't his night. He only had 21 points. Why is James Harden not giving the ball to Westbrook when Westbrook has largely been unstoppable? Like, Westbrook, he was having a lot of success last night. Even he's gotten this new shot where he goes to the left and pulls up and banks it from the left side of the court, which has been re- working really well for him. But James Harden, like, I think they need, Russell Westbrook and James Harden need to be at the same, they need to have the same mindset of whoever's night it is, they need to be fed the ball more. Like, it can't be a James Harden has his own agenda to, to score at least 25 points so he can, so his season average can stay up at 32 or whatever it is. Like, they need to be able to play off of whoever's night it is. And that's what is, concerns me in the playoffs with the Rockets because neither of those two have been known for their playoff success. And let's say one of them is having an off night. Will that guy, James Harden or Russell Westbrook, be able to mentally say, it's not my night, I need to give it to, to, to the other guy because it's his night, and he, he playing with the ball in his hands gives us the best chance of winning. I agree with you. I, I wouldn't have the Rockets at the conference finals. I'd still put the Clippers and the Lakers to make it as one and two seeds. But I think the Rockets can be a dark horse team for the conference finals. I just don't think that their team overall could compete with the Lakers with such dominant big men. And Anthony Davis. By the time the playoffs come around, and I, I say we would do a, like a predictions once the, we have the bracket, but a Clippers-Houston round two matchup, if that happens... Is possible. Right. Well, right now, anything could change in the standings because everything's so close, so I can't predict what it's going to be. But let's say we had a Houston, a Houston versus LA Clippers round two matchup. I don't know what I would do because... I think those teams, that's just going to be, be a, such a close series. And I know you would pick the Clippers, most likely, since you have them winning the championship. Yes, I would pick the yes, Clippers. Yes, you would say, yeah. But, like, how how would the Clippers, like, let's say, what if they just don't know how to defend the Rockets? Because Which is crazy, though, because the Clippers have two of the top five defenders. Clippers are obviously much more talented than the Rockets. They have way more depth. But, like, 
How will I think Rock- that would be a testament to Doc Rivers. I think you'd have to have coaching be the big factor in that. Can Doc Rivers break the film down and see what we need to do to beat the Rockets? Because so far, no one really has been able to. That is true, but ex- that's exactly my point. Like, Will Kawhi be able to stop Harden? Because, I mean, Harden's game, it's like you can't, really can't defend it if you... If you're kind of thinking of his step back through, like you can't really defend that because you're not blocking it, like and it's gonna be really interesting that if that series comes along, like I don't know who I would pick. That would take a lot of a lot of thinking on my part if I had to pick who's winning that that second round series because I do think the Rockets are the dark horse in the West. Like though it's the Clippers and the Lakers, and then it's the Rockets. Like no, everyone else in my mind is irrelevant. Sorry, sorry Utah. I haven't been, I've been down on you before the season. And now you've been really struggling as of late. And the Nuggets, you know, I've never been high on you either. So I really think it's those three teams. And with Russell Westbrook, he's kind of found his footing again this season. As we said, 35 points the past 10 games. He's averaging the least amount of threes since the 2012-2013 season. Westbrook is only taking 3.9 threes per game, which seems like a lot. But it's really not, considering he's been averaging like 5, 6 these past few seasons. So Westbrook has finally realized, okay... I'm on the Rockets. Everyone else around me can shoot. I'm the worst shooter on the floor. They don't need me to shoot five, six threes a game. I can drive. I can pull up for my mid-range bank shot, and I can have everyone else shoot around me, which is really, I think, worked out for the Rockets, considering that Westbrook has taken less threes. I agree with you 100%. I, I, the Rockets, to me, are such like a polarizing team because no one can defend the way they play. Their play is such so unique. The, just the main thing that doubts me is James Harden and Russell Westbrook's lack of playoff success and the continue, continuity of just choking in the playoffs. Mike D'Antoni has never won with, the, uh, with James Harden for a reason. It's not like he never really had the team to. Mike Dent, uh, James Harden has, had some, has been playing at a very high level for a long time and has been winning uh, all these regular season and been playing well in the playoffs. But I think this is really a, a really make-or-break year for the Rockets because if you can't win with uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook actually playing at a level that you want him to play at, then I think it's over for them. Because how much longer is I think that, yeah, the championship window. How long? How is much, 28, is he? How much, Westbrook is 30 right now. So I know Westbrook's 30. How right? much longer do you have a prime Russell Westbrook? Because many people thought he was already out of his prime. Like, and he's this, an athlete. This These is, guys age the worst out of anybody in the league. Yeah, the players who rely on their athleticism. And Westbrook's kind of had a resurgence this past year. He's been playing really well, actually. Which is why the Rockets have been so good. And I really don't know, because you, we thought the Rockets would have a problem rebounding. They've, they're have they weirdly good at rebounding for some reason, because teams just don't know how to adapt to it. Like, everyone crashes the boards. Like, yesterday against the Celtics, there was a possession where they had three straight offensive rebounds. I don't know how that happened, but it just does. And teams aren't able to adapt to it. Like, the Celtics aren't, gonna, aren't able to play Ennis Cantor out there, who just can't defend anyone. Like, they can't play. The other team can't really play their big man, so they're forced to go small, too. So it's it's just really interesting to see how teams adapt to the Rockets because you can't play as they—teams can't play as they usually play against the Houston Rockets, which is why I think you have to keep the Rockets in mind when you're thinking Western Conference champ, championship this year. Yeah. But moving on from that, as, as I mentioned, the Rockets-Celtics game, I think we want to talk about the great play of Jason Tatum as of late. Because, Christian, I know we've you had your doubts on him maybe a few years ago, but so did I, and I didn't really know how he was going to bounce back after a tough season last year with Kyrie Irving. But he really has been able to play very well, Jason Tatum, in this, with the Celtics. Celtics right now are the third seed in the East, and 
with with Kemba Walker, I want I want to make this very clear. With Kemba Walker, I think the Celtics do have a chance to make the West, the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sorry, and and really challenge the Bucks with Kemba Walker. But without Kemba, it's it's really it's, it's almost Celtics impossible. Team, it's impossible because you've had you've we you've all seen these games against the Lakers a few few days ago against the um the Rockets last night in crunch time. If they're gonna deny Jason Tatum the ball a lot, and you can't have Marcus Smart taking the threes to end the game. I know he hit one last night, but he went like he went like two for five or two no two for seven in the fourth quarter in overtime in threes. You can't have that really. And so Kemba Walker, he's the type of guy. He's been clutch his entire career, even though his team hasn't had success. He had success at UConn. He had, yeah, he's, he's been a good player. He's had success in in the crunch in crunch time. So which is why you're gonna need like the point guard Kemba Walker to be back. And that knee injury really scares me because he had those issues in Charlotte, and now they're back. Like, I don't want another Kyrie Irving situation in Boston where their starting point guard, Star, sits out the entire postseason. I agree with you 100%. And another thing yesterday, while I'm, which the game is so polarizing, is they, they only beat the Rockets by one point. And why they I, lost the Rockets. Oh, sorry, my bad. They lost the Rockets by one point, 111, 110. And why I don't think this game, in my opinion, means much is because Marcus Smart had 26 points, and five rebounds, and seven assists. You're never going to get that type of performance from him on a nightly basis. It's impossible. Marcus and Smart just, has had really good streaks this year of shooting, but then he'll have the games where... Yeah, like where, 26 points. Like, you know, that's like an all-star then level he'll, game. Then he'll have the games where he's always great on the defensive end, but then... He's really inconsistent shooting, and I'm um, give props to Marcus Smart. He's really improved his three point shooting throughout the years. But it's you not. Can't ex- he took 15 threes last night. Like you can't have Marcus Smart taking 15 exactly. threes a game. He only made five of them. Exactly what I mean. Because like, that's just like to me. Like the Celtics fans are probably upset right now, saying this game doesn't mean much. But that is such an outlying performance that I don't think you can. I need to see a really large sample size on Marcus Smart to say that he's going to be that mad big of a difference maker. He really mean, is a, a non-factor on offense a lot of games. You don't even need to see a large sample size because you know. No, Mar- but people are telling not you know you Marcus, specifically. You, you but know Marcus Smart's not never going to do not going to do that consistently. If, he he's good for two. To I know three that he's good at it. I know exactly what he's good for. I just am tired of seeing like is Marcus Smart really the key piece the Celtics need? Like no, he's not. Like Jason Tatum has been playing outstanding this year, and he is really what the key piece the Celtics need. They need him to step up to the superstar level everyone thought he was going to be after he. Pretty much the best player on the team when they made it to the conference finals in his first year in the league and took the Cavs to the Cavs with the run to seven games. We need to see that type of producing team, and we have seen it. He's averaging twenty three point five points a game, extremely efficiently, and has had many thirty point games recently. I was the biggest Jason Tatum hater of all time. I said he was overrated. I said people need to stop calling him a, a superstar already. He hasn't done anything, and really at that point he did it. Then last year he proved me right. But Jason Tatum really, really has proved me wrong now. Like I can't deny how good he's become. Greatly, and I honestly think he can be that key piece. He is going to be the piece the Celtics need. Plus, Kemba Walker has been. Am- I know he's been injured lately, but for this whole year, he's been really, really good. Like we can't deny it. He has a team and he's winning. Like what more can we ask from him? We just need the Celtics now to put the t- piece, all the pieces together. We need to have Marcus Smart not take 15 threes a game and 22 shots. We need to, have to just play defense. We need Jalen Brown to continue the way he's been playing, which. To me, it's still a question mark. He's been inconsistent his whole career. In his fourth year in the league, I'm still skeptical about it. But the Celtics have looked a lot better lately than they have this whole year. Well, there's some things that I think that the Celtics have done really well. Obviously, Jason Tatum has been a star. And with without Kemba Walker, they really only have two guys who can create their own shot. You have Jason Tatum 
and Jalen Brown. And I think I do think this has been a great year for Jalen Brown, as much as you say inconsistent. I think this has been the most consistent year that we've seen of, out of Jalen Brown so far. He's really come about since in his fourth year in the league. Him and him and Jalen him and Jason Tatum, excuse me, have just been a great duo. And you need that Kemba Walker to be that third guy on the team because without him, they're not they're gonna really struggle. And you again, Marcus Smart. He's good every once in a while when you need him to step up and hit those threes, but you can't rely on him consistently. And then I just want to give props to my man Daniel Teich, who has really been a key stable for this Celtics team. He he's not afraid to step up even against players like James Harden, where he blocked him a few times last night. Like Ennis Cantor has kind of is is the no man's guy. Like he's kind of been forgotten on the Celtics team. He plays in the first half, you never see him again in the second half. Just because teams can pick on him on defense way too easily. And so that's why you need a guy like Kemba Walker back, just so the Celtics team can have multiple options of who needs to score. And I think with Kemba Walker, I think the Celtics are significantly superior to the Raptors in the East, just because I think they have way more they have way more talent. I don't trust necessarily Pascal Siakam to be a superstar player on my team in the postseason. I know Props to him, him and Kyle Lowry, they are champions. That Raptors team, they are champions. But again, I just can't see them beating a Celtics team with such talent in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kevin Walker, if all healthy. Well, I think that the Celtics, I think this next month or so is really going to be a testament because they have a tough schedule coming off. And I, and I think that we just need to see them all put the pieces together. We need to see Kevin Walker coming back now with a red-hot Jason Tatum. And I think that will be really uh how or not really i think that would be that would give us a good idea of how the celtics will fare because right now they look really good but i just don't think they can beat the bucks i think the bucks are a much better team i think Giannis is way better than kemba walker and jason tatum even if they're both playing at high level i think they'll have too many shoes i think chris middleton's outstanding i don't i don't see the talent there and i think mike budenholder is a better coach than brad stevens crazy to say i know Two years ago, everyone was praising Brad Stevens, and I have to give him props now because he he really has been uh, winning with uh with players that fit his so-called system. Even though I think that you shouldn't ha- you shouldn't be you shouldn't have to uh win uh win with players in your system to be good. But I think the Celtics just need to see Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum coexist together, which because for the beginning of the year, Jason Tatum really wasn't playing this well with Kemba Walker. Now that Kemba Walker is there, he's really just picked it up, which is what you need. But I don't know if they can coexist. I haven't seen it yet. I need to see consistency. So I think that it's just going to be another uh, gap of time before we can fully make a prediction on the Celtics. Because I really think with Kemba Walker, the Celtics do have a chance to beat the Bucks, as crazy as it sounds. Because think about this. Giannis, in the playoffs, teams can actually adapt to him. Because he... in. In the late game, he's not gonna. Giannis isn't gonna be able to take those crazy fadeaway Kawhi jumpers to win a series like Kawhi did against the Sixers last year. Like Giannis isn't that player yet, unfortunately. And it all—it's all gonna depend on how the Bucks, other players like Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo. It's gonna all depend on how they play. But I mean, the, I think the Celtics with Kemba ha- really do have a shot to beat the Bucks if they're all healthy and depending on how if Brad Stevens is able to game plan against Giannis because it is possible to stop him. Like we all saw last year how Giannis wasn't able to come in in the clutch to beat the Raptors because he just he isn't that type of player. He's more of a just Bucks get the lead early and then he dominates the entire way. Like Giannis isn't good at really leading the comeback alone. And he's if he's the star player on the Bucks, I don't know how the Bucks are going to be able to really adapt to what the Celtics have to offer with such 
like superstar talent. I do still have the Bucks making it to the finals over the Celtics, hundred percent, because we the Bucks have had a, a historic season. They already have fifty wins. They might get to seventy wins, which is absolutely crazy. And maybe we'll see a different Giannis in the postseason this year because he had he has also taken it a step up. But I mean, when you have guys like Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum who can both and Jalen Brown who can all create their own shots in late game situations, we saw last night even the third guy. Jalen Brown can hit a shot to force overtime against the Rockets. And I don't know how many guys the Bucks have who can do that. But, I mean, that's also going to be a really close series to look at. It's not just L.A. versus L.A. It's Milwaukee versus Boston. You're exactly right. On paper, this Bucks team is nowhere near the level that they are. But they are so much better than they are on paper. And I think that these next couple months are going to show how good... Can Giannis lead a comeback? That's an interesting point that no one ever brings up because most of his games are just either blowouts or it goes down to the wire. It's the Bucks not, have the. It's have, not really like they're down by like ten in the first half. And the Bucks, yeah, back. the Bucks have the greatest point differential in the league right now. So they, they're beating people. They're destroying teams, and it's not close. And I don't think that you can do that to every playoff team. It just doesn't happen. The level. But maybe of, I. This, maybe we're both wrong. This just, really, this really might be the year for the Bucks because everyone has been playing absolutely outstanding. Maybe they're. They're just really going to destroy it in the. Po- they're going to kill it in the postseason, which it, I think that it, is a really good possibility. That it's they possible, do. but I just feel like it's unlikely though. I f- I can see them sweeping. The- they're definitely going to sweep the first round series. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But like, I just feel like in the conference finals, even though I have the Celtic, even though I don't have them being the Celtics, I just you don't have no. I have the have say, Bucks being. The Celtics. Yeah, I'd say it's a Bucks Celtics conference finals. I just don't think they're going to sweep them. I say I can honestly see it being six games, but I don't think that in the in the playoffs the intensity always rises. It's going to be that one sided. Yes, with without Kemba, Bucks Bucks win four one with oh, Kemba. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep actually. With Kemba, they can go, I think go to seven. I think we're just going to leave it on that because that that pretty much covers it. I mean, there's a lot lot going on in the NBA. A lot of good teams. We're really going to see who are the good teams leading up to the postseason. And I think we, the last thing we want to touch on is maybe not the the best team in the league right now, but a team fighting for the eighth eighth seed, which is the New Orleans Pelicans with Zion Williamson. CP, how badly do you want to see Zion? I want I want to see Zion in the playoffs so badly. He's averaging 22 points a game and eight rebounds, coming off like what you could say is a horrible injury. He is literally living up to the hype in any way we could want him to. Dude, there's nothing you can hate on his game. I mean, he's never had that shooting performance like we all said. I was so happy after the first yeah, game. After, after that first game, he's never exactly shot as but, well. But he's just been playing so hard. He's shooting like 56% from the field. Even though they're mostly dunks, he's playing amazing defense. The Pelicans seem so happy. Brandon Ingram is averaging around 25 points a game. But, uh, when Drew Holiday's at, or he's been hot the whole year. Lonzo Ball, though, lately, 13.5 points a game, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Like He's playing that level that we need him to. And I think that having a young team like the Pelicans that are so determined to prove Specifically, the Lakers wrong because a lot of their young talent comes to the Lakers who thought they weren't good enough to be a part of it. True. I think that if the Pelicans make the playoffs, it'll be such a W for them and their players' development because they're going to show that we are a good team and we can win without LeBron. LeBron was the issue we want we wanted to show. And I would just think having Zion be the biggest or most polarizing draft prospect pretty much of all time, maybe the only other person you could think of is probably LeBron James. I think having him in this playoffs in the first year of his career, after missing most of the year, would be an amazing story, too. And the NBA really likes stories, so I can't think of anything better. Well, who wouldn't want to see it? Zion versus LeBron in the playoffs? Think about how crazy that would be. They just had a great game last week. But in the thing that makes this even better is that the Pelicans and Zion are fighting John Moran 
and the eighth seed the Grizzlies. The first pick for the se- versus the second pick, and even if the Pel- even if the the Grizzlies make the playoffs, that'd be that. I think that'd be a very interesting series too. You got the number two pick, his first year in the playoffs versus Lamar James, LeBron James. So either way, I think it's a win-win for the NBA because you have the young guy versus the the king who's been dominating dominating this league for 17 years. So either way, it's a win for the NBA. Obviously, I think we would both rather see Zion because he's just so more pol- so much more polarizing. He's more fun to watch. Yeah, it's we've never seen anything like it before. And ex- again, he had that one great shooting game, but he doesn't even need to shoot. That's that's the thing. If he does that, it's an added bonus, but he doesn't need to. So I think we would love to see a Pelicans versus versus LeBron James in the playoffs, and that's one of the storylines to make sure to keep up with heading into April and the postseason. But I think ending it off with with that NBA talk, we just want to give a quick shout out to Stepanek basketball and their win yesterday. CP, anything you want to say? Stepanek won the Archdiocesan Championship of the Catholic League. Uh, Adrian Griffin Jr. outstanding. R.J. Davis outstanding. Malcolm Chemezi, our friend, is playing amazing. He just won. He won Player of the Week this year. Hope he to have you on again soon. Second team All CHSA as a junior with the absence of a top five player in the country. Like, you couldn't ask for anything more. And me and Jack are going to go to a few of their games next week, and we are so excited to see them play because we really hope they win a city championship. Yes, two many outstanding players on that team, but two players going to UNC and Duke. It's great, great. That's another great story right there. Not an NBA story, but I think it's just as interesting. And leaving it off about that, I guess we'll see you guys very soon. We will be back. We'll be talking more Stepanak, more NBA. We'll see what the what's going on with the Lakers and the Clippers, how they progress. But until next time, uh, signing off, Jack. Yep.